Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher. Very, very excited to uh, be coming to you with a brand new episode with the founding fathers of TPE. I'm joined right now via Skype by Killing Bird and Mark Alioto. So, hey, everybody. How are you? What up, what up? Well, Derek, Derek, you gotta fix his intro because I'm not a founding father. <laughs> you're you're grandfathered in though. I am grandfathered in. I'm a late edition though. <laughs> a, a founding grandfather. How's that? <laughs> I mean, judging from my gray hair, it fits perfect. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. I've been traveling to far away, sunny places and interviewing this person and that person. And it's been a lot of fun, but the fans, the fans wanted you guys back because that's that's what they're used to and that's what they want and that's what they've been clamoring for. And, you know, Derek Killingbird has been uh, on his deathbed all day or so he says. And so now here we are. We have him anyway. How are you feeling, Derek? I'm feeling pretty horrible, but I just couldn't let the TPE nation down. I had yeah. to be here. They and actually, I, I I sound a little better now. Like you should have heard me about an hour ago. I sounded like a completely different human being. So <laughs> everybody would have been, would have been like, "That's not even killing bird. What are they talking about?" <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hope everyone has uh, been enjoying the recent episodes. We did several from the PCA, which was a lot of fun. It was actually my first time going there. Um, and then uh, last week we had the always exciting tax preparation episode with Brad Polizano and I mean nothing gets my juices flowing quite like talking about 1099s so. it's not it's not the most exciting uh poker topic but it is probably the one of the most important so yeah absolutely and you know a lot of the guys uh out there in the TPE nation had said that they wanted us to do uh something like that and I thought Brad was a, a terrific guest if you haven't heard that episode and you haven't done your taxes yet, um, there's a lot of really good information in there that could maybe help you uh, get started in that process. Um, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, the World Series of Poker schedule for this upcoming summer has been uh, more or less finalized. And I want to get you guys uh, talking about that. But first, I wanted to talk really quickly. Um, I played in a, a charity event at the Borgata in Atlantic City, and... Uh, it was fun. It was the CSOP. I know you guys know Matt Stout, and uh, he runs that amazing organization, the Charity Series of Poker. Um, it, one thing that was really cool, this one was all to benefit uh, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Foundation, which is uh, you know just an amazing organization, helping sick kids. I mean, what's better than that? Uh, well, we were joined by the great one himself, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> Mr. Phil Helmuth, who was in a great mood because he had just won a bunch of heads-up matches all day, actually ended up the next day winning the whole heads-up title. Uh, and the Borgata had a side event, uh, a heads-up. I don't know if they had 64 players or 128, uh, whatever kind of uh, tournament they did, but he ended up winning the whole thing. 
So uh, on the end of day one of the Heads Up, he decided to stop over where the charity event was going on and stop by and say hi to everybody. And uh, he actually grabbed the mic and started doing play-by-play. And the looks on some of the faces <laughs> of the participants in that event, um, I mean, they were delighted. You know, Say what you want about Phil Helmuth. People, they love him. They really do. So, uh, yeah, and, you can, and to that, you can actually say what you want to say about his play because a lot of times I feel like everyone in the poker community is super – they talk a lot of smack how he plays. He just wins. Yeah, so he like, wins. He just does, and he's, it's not that he won back in the day and he hasn't won lately. He wins all the time. So some of his play is on paper, I guess, horrible, like P.O. solving horrible. But the guy just wins. Like, he raised folds. I remember, he, I forget the hand, he, when he raised folded off of, like, seven bigs with an eight <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense mathematically, but the guy just wins. So, yeah, props to him. And like you said, he does a lot for charity. Uh, your recreational fans, they love him. So, I mean, we should all be, like, kind of kissing his ass. <laughs> right. Like, he's done a lot for the community. Yeah, I mean, he stopped by. Um, he, you know, he he knows Matt. And actually, I got to uh, know him a little bit down in the Bahamas, mostly because he was trying to befriend Norm MacDonald, <laughs> who I was hanging out with. I think I was just a pawn in that game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, when the cameras aren't on and he's not doing his – poker brat shtick he's actually a pretty cool guy and uh he does do a lot for charity and no one was paying him to spend like an extra two hours at borgata on the mic kind of you know he made it fun for everybody and uh i give him a lot of credit uh underneath that uh persona there's actually a a pretty sweet person as far as i can tell and definitely someone that wants everyone to love him (laughs) yeah and uh, that's hard as a poker player to ever get um, so what you, have you guys ever played in a charity event? Have you ever gone to one of Matt's um, CSOP things or any other charity uh, events in poker? Uh, so for me, I've played in a lot of online charity poker tournaments, mainly, I think, just as a result of the fact that we don't have casinos, at least not close to my house. Yeah. Um, the nearest casino is five hours away, so it's not like – if one fires up on a Saturday, I can just roll to it. You know, it's kind of got to be a trip. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I've played in a few small, small ones, like not anywhere near the organization level of like a CSOP or something. Um, more like things put on by the actual charities or stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but I, I, don't know, I find that to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, some people argue that I'm always donating every tournament I play anyway. So. That's what I was gonna say. Is it every tournament charity? <laughs> Pretty much. It's just the charity is everybody else at the table. You're such a ph- philanthropist. We appreciate it. Um, so what about you, Mark? I know that uh, you and Matt are acquainted. Have you ever made it out to one of his uh, his events? Yeah. So uh, Derek hosts. Uh, what, one or two every year, and uh, I play in those. They're online ones, which are fun and easy. Uh, I think it's really important to give back because we take money from people for a living, so which is kind of fucked up, <laughs> uh, but it is what we do. So I, I think in order to be like a – I don't know. I, I would feel wrong not giving back as I've been so lucky to play a game for a living. And Derek, you know, it's for the Beagles, which love pups. So works out perfectly. And if Matt's, there was one he had at Thunder Valley, which I missed. I wasn't in town. But if he ever does them in the Bay Area, 
Uh, he's a good buddy, so I would definitely go uh, and support him. He's done yeah, a really good job with that. Actually, he mentioned um, when when I interviewed him, he mentioned uh, off the uh, off the mic something about a restaurant out there on the West Coast. Yeah, he actually. So my family owns a restaurant. It's been there for a while. Whatever. Sick plug. Uh, Aliota <laughs> in Fisherman's Wharf. It's been there forever. And uh, yeah, he he went down there and uh, got some food. Yeah, well, according to Matt, it's not just a restaurant that's been there forever. It's like, he's like, you have to go to Aliotos. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I yeah. used to work there. I used to crack crab outside. That's Thank amazing. God I found poker. That's amazing. <laughs> Cracking crab. I'm not even sure what that entails. Uh, so yeah, I can tell. Like just bang it. Yeah, it sounds like fun, actually. Maybe take out some aggressions. Uh, the new <laughs> tilt room, just cracking crabs. <laughs> so uh, I could tell you guys from playing in a few live charity events now. Um, I played in one at the Playboy Mansion, which is another story. But you know, the one at the uh, the one in Atlantic City and some other ones where I've done kind of similar to what you said, KB, where you where you go, the company puts it on. And by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, poker has officially surpassed golf as the number one charity fundraising activity uh, in in the world. That's so, crazy. Yeah, I mean that's that's incredible. Like we might not realize how many uh, charity poker events there actually are. Um, but yeah, the vibe is always different because the idea is, you know, you you almost want to lose because if you lose, you have to rebuy and then that's more money for the for the cause. So mm-hmm. like there's rich people playing and everyone's like kind of booing them if they don't go all in every hand pre-flop <laughs> with like Jack Four. <laughs> I like that dynamic. It's just a yeah. Fun yeah, it's a total punt fest and everybody's kind of bragging. Like in Matt's thing, they even had. Uh, in, in the Atlantic City one, they even had a, a, a prize for whoever did the most rebuys. So oh, if nice. You, yeah, if you if you had the most rebuys, you you won a thousand dollar prize, which was going to be way less than the amount of the rebuys. <laughs> I think the winner had done uh, I don't I don't know if the numbers maybe sixteen rebuys. So, so if, if you're close, you just start punting. You're like, well, I'm kind of free roll on these next two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, so it's good times and people drink and they party and it's much more social, like the vibe. Uh, and some of the players didn't really know how to play. They were just there to kind of support the cause. And uh, I'm excited to announce I'm actually going to be doing another one um, with Matt where I'm going to be a little bit more of an active participant. Uh, there's one in Vegas. I believe the date is March 2nd, whatever that Saturday is. It's at the Red Rock Casino and it's hosted by Daniel Negranu. Um, it, it's a really great event. It, you can find information uh, on Matt's website, uh, thecsop.com uh, or .org rather. Uh, yeah, so check that out. Um, and and if you're going to be in Vegas that weekend, definitely want to come and and support the uh, the charity. Uh, this is apparently one of the biggest ones they do all year. I believe it's from Make a Wish Foundation. So. Nice. Uh, that should be fun. And I'm actually going to be performing stand-up, <laughs> so that should be cool. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun a fun time. And, uh, you know, the Helmuth fact, factor is always, uh, you know, noteworthy or whatever. But speaking of Helmuth, he's got the most bracelets of all time. And uh, that's the smoothest segue I can do <laughs> to getting to the bracelet events. Um, the schedule has come out, the World Series of Poker will take place from May 28th 
through July 16th. What is that? Like nine years? No, it's like seven weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of poker. Um, 74 events. Uh, what do you guys think of the schedule in general? Derek, why don't you start? Um, so I'm excited about it. I mean, for me, like the World Series is the most fun uh, the most fun thing I looked forward to every summer, and the second thing is the schedule being released because <laughs> I, I get so anxious to find out like what is happening, what, you know, what events I'm going to play, what dates are we going to be there. Um, I know there was some criticism this year that they maybe had launched a few too many like lower buy-in bracelet events. Like there's a $600 um, deep stack bracelet event, for example, and of course you have that big 50 tournament at the beginning. That's a $500 buy-in. Um, but I mean, I think that stuff's good. I mean, I think the poker world needs to continue to evolve and put on new events that are going to bring in new people. I've tried to stay as far away from that Colossus event at the beginning of every year. Like, I think I've played it once. I think I've literally fired one bullet at that thing. Um, but I will not miss this big 50. This thing looks like way too much fun. And it's rake free. <laughs> Your first bullet is rake free, which is pretty badass. Yeah, that's nice. I like them taking a cue from some of the other poker series that are out there. Um, and, and, you know, kind of giving people a, a, a break on on the rake at some some of these events. Um, yeah, the, the, the buy-ins range from $500 all the way up to $100,000 uh, for different events over the course of the summer. Um, Mark, what are your kind of general thoughts? Are you like us? Like, I'm, I'm like Derek. I get excited. Yeah, so I, I missed last year uh, for the first time because I was dealing with some stuff back home in, like, probably five or six years. And it was painful because, like, just paying attention to everyone, their stacks. I almost, like, blocked poker from Twitter. Just I couldn't <laughs> take it. So, yeah, I got super excited. I'm with Derek. This tournament, Not I'm never a fan of the Colossus because it takes, like, two hours sometimes to get a table. Um, but this tournament is too sweet where I don't think I get past it up. Like just given the structure, the Colossus becomes a quote unquote punt fest. Uh, you end up being short relatively quick. Uh, so yeah, this makes for a lot of play. And I think it's good for amateurs too, because instead of being out of a, your first world series event in two, three hours, uh, there's some play here. So I, I think it's good for all parties. Have you guys started thinking, um, as I have, about what your your particular individual schedules will be? Like, is, is TPE going to be? So I'm pretty sure at this point, like, I'll be there at least the first three weeks or so. That's good. Um, I'd love to make it through the monster stack if I could. Um taking an ownership stake in a distillery here in North Carolina. So it's getting harder and harder for me to be away for a super long time. But um, but I, I definitely would like to be out there a minimum of three weeks. And it would be at the beginning uh, to take advantage of that uh, that Big 50 event and then the Millionaire Maker and a few other things that are in there that look exciting. Um, and, yeah, we'll definitely be doing – so in the past, we've, always, we've done a TPE meetup every year uh, for the last, I guess, eight years. Uh, and I think we're actually probably going to do it during that big 50 because I think so many people are going to come in for it. Uh, the downside is that we'll have to run it like, you know, 8 o'clock at night or something, and some people might still be in the tournament. But that happens no matter what day we do it on. So uh, I figure if we can do it when we get the most possible people, it'll be uh, it'll be a really cool turnout and, uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, the alternative is to try to do the meetup before play starts, and then you got to try to get poker players out of bed at 10 a.m. Right. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> no, and this this meetup gets pretty brutal. Like, few people walk out of the bar. Uh, few people walk out of the bar, actually. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it is rather legendary. Um, I've never actually gotten to attend, but I'm hoping that uh, this year will be my first TPE meetup now that I'm a, an official uh, part of the family, as it were. So, Mark, what are your plans? Do you think you'll be around most of the summer this year, or what will well, you? Yeah, usually whatever Derek's doing, I try to do because we stay together. Um, oh, so, cool. in the first three weeks, uh, looking at the series, I mean, it's I, I would like to stay to the monster, like Derek said. I like playing anything where there's a lot of chips involved. I just want bang for my buck. For the first couple of years, it was literally two months in Vegas and I never got sick of it. Like even when I was losing, I was having like horrible summers. Like it didn't bother me. Uh, just spending time. It's like my home away from home is Vegas. Like a bunch of my friends I never see. So yeah, the poker and just being around the community is pretty cool. So at least, at least two weeks, hopefully more. So this will be my 11th year uh, playing in the world series of poker. The first few years, I didn't really have the bankroll, but I would just come and kind of enjoy the the ambiance and and the cash games. Um, and then I'd, I'd play a few satellites. Um, but yeah, now it's just you know something I look forward to so much, and I just I can't wait. I'm all, I'm already getting excited for the summer, and it's it's barely February, so I know. <laughs> calm down, we, calm down. Yeah, we we were actually literally looking at houses online today, like okay, where are we gonna live? <laughs> Which bedroom is mine? So let's go through the schedule, guys, and uh, you can let me know what sticks out to you. Uh, the very first event, as always, is the $500 uh, casino employees event. That one always attracts a good crowd and is a traditional way to kick it off. Then they're doing something uh, similar to what they did last year, a 10K Super Turbo Bounty on May 29th, um, <laughs> which is the uh, the first day. Like, just, you know, get it started. I believe that it kind of coincides with um, – uh, another big poker go tournament. Maybe it's the super high roller or one of those uh, big ones that kind of goes around the same time. So we'll have some, um, you know, well-heeled uh, gamblers in town uh, to participate in that one. Then it's the one you guys are have already mentioned beginning on uh, May 30th. We've got the big 50, which you know, this is the 50th anniversary of the WSOP. And it's a $500 buy-in with uh, three starting flights, and the first $500 entry is rake-free. The prize pool is guaranteed to be at least $5 million, with $1 million guaranteed to the winner. So they learned from years past when they did the Colossus in this spot, and players were upset that they had 22,000 players, and first prize was only 600,000. Now you got a, a high roller on the 31st, which is a 50K No Limit Hold'em tournament. Actually, now looking at it, the uh, Big 50 has four starting flights. I said three before. It's four. Um, Then something they're doing for the first time, guys, the 10K Short Deck No Limit Hold'em. Anybody tried Short Deck yet? I have played Short Deck. Um, It's kind of a fun, like, gambling game, but I've had the same problem with with every version of poker that I've tried to pick up. I just don't enjoy any of it. I'm like, I guess I'm just like old, like I'm an old withered man. So I just like no limit hold'em tournaments. Like I don't like PLO. 
I don't like stud. <laughs> um, so like I said, it is kind of fun to play once in a while, but uh, but I don't think I would certainly never play this because there are people out there who are really good at that game. Yeah, for sure, they've mastered it already. Uh, Mark, any short deck experience? I haven't, but I'm different than Derek. I love all the new games. Uh, I enjoy just playing anything but No Limit. <laughs> no Limit is... Yeah, I started on Stud, and then I started on Limit Hold'em was my first introduction to Hold'em. So, like, No, no Limit Hold'em is still kind of new to me, even though I've been playing it for 15 years <laughs> compared to the other games. Uh, so, yeah, then uh, rounding off that first week... We have that $600 No Limit Hold'em deep stack that uh, Derek referred to earlier. It is causing some uh, pushback from the poker community, people feeling like this cheapens the bracelet. It's listed as a two-day event. Is that a misprint? A I think question. it has to be. I don't think there's any way it gets done in two days. Unless it's a deep stack like the daily deep stacks that they normally have. That they're it's gonna yeah you'll start with a bunch of chips but the blinds are gonna go up really fast or something for that one there's no structure sheet yet so we're just guessing yeah yeah they could be running like 20 minute levels or something yeah maybe it'll just be a really fast structure even though it is you know yeah players want to start with a lot of chips they don't care if their stack is cut in half in the first (laughs) right five minutes yeah as long as I start with a lot of chips that's all that matters uh then the next week um starting on Monday June 3rd. It's the 1500 Dealer's Choice, which could be fun. Uh, a lot of the Dealer's Choice tournaments in the past were much higher buy-ins. Uh, that could be fun. Maybe some players that might not normally uh, get involved in Badoogie Badoosie and all those other games that make Derek's uh, stomach turn <laughs> playing that. Uh, the 5K No Limit is always uh, a very tough field. That's on June 3rd. Uh, then a 1K No Limit Hold'em Super Turbo Bounty where every player is a $300 bounty. Uh, that one should be fun. The 10K Heads Up No Limit on June 5th, a 1500 six max, which a lot of us look forward to those. Uh, I like playing shorthanded. Love six max formats. Yeah, shorthanded yeah. rules. It's just better for live, you know. And you got so much of- more comfortable to play more hands. There's so many positives. Yeah, you got room for your legs. So if you guys, <laughs> if you guys are there yeah. that first week, you know, you can stretch out, play some. Uh, six max, and then the uh, the next day, June six, is a 1500 uh, shootout, no limit hold'em shootout, which is a uh, event that I, I love the shootout format myself. I've never actually cashed in a shootout, but I've come extremely close. In order to cash in a shootout, you have to win your first table. But yeah, my favorite, my favorite event by far. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you're you're there for six hours, seven, eight hours. You go home and you're back the next day. Um, sick brag that I've won my first table before. <laughs> but yeah, I just and plus I, I came from sitting so yeah. And if you know your short your short stack strategy, your push fold charts, you know whatever your snap shove, however you want to look at it, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the game for you. Uh, it's beautiful. I mean, compared to like sitting there for 14, 15 hours for like three days, you win a bracelet in like. I think it's like 30 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Then there's the 10K Omaha 8 tournament on June 6th. And then that weekend is Millionaire Maker Weekend. Uh, I love the Millionaire Maker tournament. It's one of my favorite events. It's a $1,500 buy-in with $1 million guaranteed to the winner. I believe last year they got so many players that the top two both became millionaires. 
which is amazing for a $1,500 buy-in uh, tournament. But one thing I noticed, let's stop here, guys, because one thing I've noticed, um, as opposed to a lot of the other tournament series in Vegas and actually around the world, the World Series of Poker kind of keeps which tournaments are have any type of guarantee. Uh, they keep it to a minimum. Some events, like at the Venetian, for example, almost every tournament has a guarantee on it. Um, do you think that's a strategy thing uh, that they've decided to just kind of keep it? They don't like to put a lot of guarantees up, or are they just cheap? <laughs> that's a really yeah. good question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably just a a strategy thing. Like to them, they don't think it is going to affect the turnout that much. I do think the Millionaire Maker has some cachet to it um, for that whole concept of million for first place. But like, if you had a fifteen hundred, I don't know, like say that fifteen hundred no limit six max, and you put a I don't know, $500,000 guarantee on there. I just don't know if anybody's going to care. I don't know yeah. if anybody's going to be like, oh, I wasn't going to play that, but now that they put a 500k guarantee on, I'm in. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a marketing decision by them. It's like, look, the bracelet is the prestige. You know, It's not yeah. about the guaranteed prize pool. And then you know, for some of the events, they do put a guarantee. Like the Millionaire Maker, they're not guaranteeing the prize pool, but even if for some reason they get a small turnout, they're still guaranteeing a million to the winner. Um, that, that could mean that second place gets like $40,000, right. we'll see. Uh, it does appear, unless um, unless there's a mistake on the schedule, that there's only two starting flights for the Millionaire Maker this year, which in the past there's always been three. So that is uh, a change, only right. Friday and Saturday, because then on that Sunday is an event that a lot of people I know are looking forward to. It's the 1K double stack No Limit Hold'em. So... Uh, usually a, a 1K, you start with 5,000 in chips. And for this one, you're going to get double the stack, 10,000 in chips. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, they know that players like yeah. to start with a stack. So, yeah. Uh, moving through the schedule, uh, the next week you've got the 2620 Marathon event. Have either of you ever played the Marathon? I've I never have. played Derek, it. you've talked about wanting to do it. Yeah, it, it just looks like, I mean... It's kind of my kind of tournament because I am a bit of a nit, and the structure is just so good. You start so deep uh, that you get a ton of play. Um, one of these days, I really want to play. I don't know why I haven't, to be honest. I, I think I've been there during it. I'm sure I have, but um, I've never fired it for whatever reason. So maybe this will be the year. It, it will almost certainly be in the time frame that I'm there, so... Uh, this might be the year. Yeah, it sounds good for you. How does it work? I, I forget even how the structure works. Okay, so it's a six-day tournament beginning on June 10th. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't call it the marathon for nothing. That's right. <laughs> you start with 26,200 chips, and you play 100-minute levels. So the levels are almost as long as the main event. But, I do kind of remember a lot of people tweeting about that tournament last year who were deep in it and going, why did I do this to myself? Like, yeah. they were they were actually in the money, I think. And they were just like, well, I don't want to be in this tournament anymore. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think my style, not quite as nitty as yours, Derek, I'm maybe better suited to the turbo events. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of sitting around for these 100-minute levels, like, when are these blinds going to go up? You know, watching all these nits fold their queens pre-flop. Uh, and then you've got the uh, the 10K horse uh, on June 11th. And there's a $1,000 PLO tournament on June 12th, which could be interesting. 
a 3K6 max on June 12th that I might play myself. I kind of have that one circled on my schedule cause just because I love 6 max. And they usually make you decide between a 1500 or a 5K or a 10K. And I think last year they even had a 25K6 max. But I don't remember there being a 3K last year. And I think that's the right price point you know, for me with my bankroll and, and everything. And then this one I wanted to get to, see if you guys find this one interesting like I do. A $600 mixed game on June 18th. It's no limit. It's half no limit and half PLO. So this I could be convinced to play just because the buy-in is low enough that I, I'm going to be a dog in Parliament Omaha, obviously, for sure. But I wouldn't mind firing it just to have some fun and gamble it up a little bit. I think that'll be a very popular event. I don't know that I'll end up playing it, but I could be convinced. Mark? Hmm. I'm Tank City on this one. I agree. <laughs> I think it, I think that'll be an amazing event. I think a lot of people are going to want to play that. I just suck at PLO. Um, I need high-low, and I'd play it. I don't yeah. know. i think about it, though. Yeah. Well, you know, if someone is looking to brush up on his PLO, do you know any websites he could go to and check out videos about Pot Limit Omaha? <laughs> hey, it's a bad advertisement. We don't have any guys that do PLO. <laughs> you don't have one video on the site? I mean, I do, I do know some sites, but I'm not going to name them. <laughs> and we, yeah, we do. Andrew does some PLO stuff. Of course he does. Andrew Brokers has – I know he's got some out there. Yeah, we do have some, but not a ton. Yeah. Um, mainly because a, a lot of – people don't come to, for that you know like it, because we're especially because we're a tournament focused site and not a cash focused site no definitely plo is a better game for cash and yeah. i think no limit is a better game for tournaments now here's an idea that i think would be fun as i'm staring at this if they did a mixed event like this which was also a tag team event Ooh. and then so you have like your one guy who plays the no limit <laughs> section and then your other guy who plays the pot limit Omaha. That would well, be fun. How have they done that? That's genius. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's absolutely genius. Derek, that may be the smartest thing you've ever said in your entire life. <laughs> That's genius. I, I bet if you brought that to them, they would do it. I, I That would be a hit. Yeah, you might be right. I might suggest it. Nah. Yeah, eh, probably not. Trademark it, TPE attorney. Yeah, the TPE event. I like it. TPE tag team event. Oh, that, that'll cost you like a mil just to get the name on there, probably. And the we'll rules call. are, when you're not playing, you have to go to PT's pub and get drunk. That <laughs> oh my God, that's what you do in the morning. I love that idea. <laughs> well, you can tag your partner in, but then you have to go drink at the bar. That's the rules. There's well, a... you say that. Derek and I were going to play a tag team in Reno a bit back, and I was like, I don't really feel like playing. If you want to play, I'll just be at the bar. <laughs> And he's like, well, I'll just stay at the bar with you. <laughs> I forget it. I remember that because when you guys came back, I was like, yeah, let's get some hands. And they're like, you guys were both like, we didn't play any poker. Yeah. <laughs> we were drinking. <laughs> That's what happens stuff. when you don't see your buddy for like a year and then you have two days to hang out with him. It's just yeah. Like, <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, all right. On the 20th, it's the 10K ladies. No limit hold them with a. $9,000 discount for anyone who's actually female. Uh, are you guys going to play in that one? I will stay as far away from that one as possible. Yeah, no. I Does don't... the 9K go to charity or is that just added rate? It's just, it's it's in the prize pool. It goes into the prize pool. Oh, so it's not even rate. No, yeah. I'll pass on that. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a smart decision. Yeah, no. I mean, there aren't that many women compared to the number of men in poker. Like, I think 
you know, the main event gets like 3% female and 97% male. But I think that generally speaking, the women who play poker are better at poker than the men. A lot of women that are playing, you know, they've, they've suffered through being around all these men all the time because they're that good at the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no thanks. I'm out of that one. Then a $2,500 no limit on June 20th. And then I know you guys like this one. The weekend of June 21st is the Monster Stack, which I seem to remember both of you have played that one before, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of of my favorites, for sure. Yeah. What is it about the Monster Stack that you love? You just love having all the chips. Uh, What is it? Yeah, so before this, all these new structures this year, the monster was like the double stack, basically. Uh, yeah, just starting with more chips. Because we were forced to play. I mean, you you know how it is. Those 1Ks are horrible. Yeah. The 1Ks they used to have were just dreadful. Like, you'd be out at level two. Uh, just because, like, whatever, you lose one pot, like, level three comes up and you have 20 bigs. Which some people enjoy, but... I'm not as balling as most of those people, so <laughs> when I buy in for a thousand or fifteen hundred, I want some play. You know, I want to enjoy the game. I want to play the game. Get your money's uh, worth, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think this is Derek. It's probably our favorite tournament always, every year. It's one we like never miss, except yeah. maybe this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Not only does it like fun for me and good for my style, but it also brings out less good play, like or. More more bad players, I guess is the best way to say. Because because people look, you know, recreational players look for these events, uh, like monster stacks and you know super mega stack and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Almighty stack, stack. Yeah, a colossal stack. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why there's a Goliath and a Colossus and a giant. Like I, the, people want to play those kind of events. So um, it's it's right up my alley for both those reasons. It's also one of the only events I've really done very well in my life. Not that I've done very well, but. Somewhat well. Well, <laughs> had about, a pretty nice run. Yeah, you had a good run. Don't be too modest. I mean, you, you can brag. One time you did something, you can brag. It's okay. You were, you were like late day three, right, Derek? Yeah, I can't even remember now. I think I busted 67th or something. Yeah, for so, that tournament, oh. that's huge because they got so many thousands of players. That's amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. it is like so it definitely becomes a bit of a minefield, but. It's just the structure is so slow and so good that you just have time. Like you don't have. I mean, I remember being really super card dead late day two, but coming back to day three with like twenty five bigs or something and feeling very comfortable about it. Dude, if, I, if we checked our text log from back then, I think I told you like fifty times. I was like, relax, man. You have hours of play. Like yeah. you aren't. You you may think you're short in that thing, but you're just not. Like the, the there's so much room for play. It's awesome. Yeah, you don't have to just uh, push and pray, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but you'll definitely see it happen. Like, you'll watch people around you start to just panic and go, oh, my God, I'm so short. And they'll just, like, get in 30 bigs. With well, Derek, that's one of your best qualities even online is you're, like, able to be patient and not take these, like, thin edges. Like, And people think look at that as, like, being nitty, but – I don't know, like I especially live, I think it's a really good quality to have because you're playing in one tournament. It's not like online where you can take like a a small edge because you're in 50 tournaments. Live, you want to maximize your edge and your skills. So like passing on these like neutral to slightly plus EV spots is actually way better considering you're in one tournament. Yeah, definitely agree. And if you guys can stay and hang out for the monster stack, uh, if you're still in town on 
Monday, June 24th, it's the $1,000 Tag Team No Limit Hold'em, teams of two to four people. Uh, and I know you guys have done this before. And I, I played in one tag team event in my whole life, and it was in Australia. And uh, my tag team partner was Lee Jones. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so this tag team event's one of my favorites, too. Like, it's not necessarily as good of like a value, or obviously it's not going to be as much up top as in a monster stack or a millionaire make or something. But it is so fun. Like it's the closest thing the World Series has to like a like feeling like you're playing in a home game or like we were talking about a charity event or something. Um, it's just a blast because you you and your buddies are basically just hanging out, having a good time. Yeah, why is it so much fun to? I guess because maybe because poker always feels like it's a. Uh, a solo project, right? We always kind of feel like we're, we're, uh, it's every man for himself. So this is different. Yeah. And when you get like, like if you're playing in a poker tournament, you kind of get, I don't know, burned out or stressed out or angry or tilted or whatever. You don't really have any option. You just have to sit there and play through it. And that can make for pretty shitty dynamics, you know? Um, but like if you have the ability to be like, man, I'm just not playing well. Or I'm not, you know, not enjoying this or whatever just boom tag out go grab a beer or walk around or whatever and, and come back in 20 minutes whoa whoa, yeah. whoa we're not grabbing beers while we're playing poker derek oh, <laughs> see this is where i went wrong in the tag team event. <laughs> this is why i was your partner too i'm not doing it no i i for what derek was saying like i had my back i get like back spasms all the time so when car and i played it like whenever my back was starting to heat up or like i felt it moving i was like you know what i'm just gonna check out right now it's uh, you're hungry you have to go pee like i mean it, there's so many good i wish every tournament was tag team like literally every single one yeah. uh i would play them over one person all day yeah so let's uh, just to recap he's got gray hair a bad back <laughs> what else is Ur going on issues <laughs> needs to run to the bathroom every 30 minutes yeah this okay Okay, do you want to know what this comes from? Ten years of online poker, six days a week, 20 tabling. Fully gray, can't walk. It is <laughs> like, a healthy yeah. lifestyle yeah, for sure. It's a tournament poker edge, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the 50K Poker Players Championship, uh, June 24th. Then, on the 25th, it's the $600 No Limit Hold'em Deep Stack Championship, which... Uh, is a three-day event, which again kind of makes me think maybe it's like one of these like daily deep stacks, uh, structure-wise. They haven't put out the structure yet, but this one there's a main event seat added for the winner, which is nice. That's kind of cool. Yeah, anytime they want to add something, I appreciate it because they, <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that too. Yeah, they're taking rake left and right. They might as well give us a little something back once in a while. That's cool. Um, I'll probably end up playing that just because I'll look at it as a satellite. Uh, you know, main event satellite. Why not? Uh, the 25th is the 1500 PLO 8, which is uh, fun. That's the high-low that Mark likes. And then uh, the Colossus is back, but this time it's a $400 buy-in with, uh, it looks like, three starting flights uh, for that one. No word on, actually, maybe it's only two starting flights for that one. And no, uh, it doesn't appear that there's any guarantee Whereas uh, in previous years, the Colossus had a million-dollar guarantee after the first Colossus uh, was such a PR nightmare because everyone was upset about the prize pool. So, I don't know. $400 Colossus. Do you think that cheapens a bracelet, Derek? 
I mean, I don't really think so. I mean, it's it's probably harder to win a four hundred dollar Colossus than it is to win like a fifteen hundred Badugi bracelet or whatever. Good like, point. um, I mean, I don't I don't even know if there is that event, but uh, pick pick <laughs> any of your other like weird games, you know, like or at least that I find weird. Um, the ones that get like two or three hundred players, yeah. This is going to have a lot of opponents. Yeah, like I I would, you know, if I was going to bet on myself winning a bracelet, I would I wouldn't play the Colossus. I would no. play like I would learn the mixed games and play every one of those little like 150 person fields. Yeah, the so 10K Raz, they get like 12 players every year. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the one game I'm actually kind of okay at, or at least I know the rules, which is half the battle. Um, so yeah, I don't think so. I don't really I don't really buy into that sort of concept. I mean, there's like 70 events. Does it matter if there's if they're 1,500 buy-ins or 600, it's a lot of bracelets being given away every year. I know, and if we're going to bring up that, like, are we going to take away everyone's bracelet who won in, like, the fucking 70s when there was literally 25 people in the main? Like, it shouldn't (laughs) matter. Like, you you won a bracelet event. Like, I I don't know. I think it's kind of funny that people complain about stuff like this, I guess. They do. I mean, it's it's a festival. We want everyone of all bankrolls to be able to have a great time at the World Series. Like, that's what they're trying to do. Something for everyone. Like you could play yeah. for four hundred, you could play for a hundred, hundred thousand. Like it's up to you. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think it cheapens, but it is something you've been hearing a lot in the last oh, couple absolutely. weeks. Yeah. Uh, so then th- that weekend, the weekend before the main, is the Crazy Eights. I love this tournament. Eight hundred eighty-eight dollars with eight 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 guaranteed to the winner. Uh, four starting flights. Uh, it's just a good time. Um, what they don't seem to be doing uh, as much is the, the starting times are all over the place now. Like some events are starting at 10 a.m. Some of them are starting at 11 a.m. So, you know, I just remember when Joe McKeon got upset because they moved it from noon to 11. He must hate these 10 o'clock starts. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably not going to play any of those. Yeah, I'm, um, not exa- I'm not exactly a fan of them either. Uh, I get why they do it. But I, like if it was up to me, every tournament would start like two. Yeah, yeah I mean, me too, but it's not the worst. I mean, it, it, no. I prefer two, and I'd like them to end at ten. If, right. Sure. In a perfect world, you should only be sitting for eight hours, not 15. Absolutely, especially with the bad back, like you mentioned. I agree. <laughs> no, <laughs> just for everyone's blood flow. <laughs> like, yeah. So July 1st, the $1,000 mini main event. It's the exact structure of the main event, but instead of two-hour levels... 30-minute levels. What do you guys think of this? I think it's a great addition. Anytime you can... So is it... What is the buy-in for that? $1,000. Yeah, I think anytime you can, like, get something like a mini event that's one-tenth the price, I think that attracts people. And basically all we want is more people playing poker because that ends up making all the professionals more money in the long run. And it keeps the game alive. I mean, it keeps us afloat. So, yeah, I'm all for stuff like that tournaments like that you agree Derek yeah I definitely agree I think just being able to add the main event to it just makes it have a little bit of a cachet that maybe some other 1k events don't have yeah and the timing uh, is perfect because it's just it's just two days before the real main event starts so if you want to kind of warm up for the main event by playing the mini main event you know uh and a lot of people will come out to play that saying they played in the mini main event and then they're around the whole atmosphere which Again, it's just great for poker as a whole. Yeah, well, I don't know if they still do it, but I remember Binion's used to do kind of this with every tournament. Like, their main event was $1,000, and 
and it was kind of around the same time as the as the WSOP main event. Uh, they were kind of uh, mirroring the the, the schedule uh, that that the World Series was doing, but with everything uh, just ten percent of the buy-ins. Mm, so yeah. yeah, that was always a, a good idea, I thought. Then there's a charity event on July 2nd. There's not a lot of information about it, but it's called the Salute to Warriors. Uh, proceeds to be donated to the USO and other veterans organizations. Uh, that's nice. Always love to see them doing things for charity along with the, uh, you know, obviously the bracelet events and everything. Uh, and then, of course, the main event, July 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Those are your three starting days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I found that interesting. They usually try to start it on a weekend. Uh, but they're doing it midweek this time. Uh, I wonder how that will affect the turnout, if at all. Uh, and then there's plenty of events. After, last year, they tried something where they had a few more events after the main event ended, and it was a success. So this year, they really backloaded the World Series. There's another couple of weeks. Uh, the one drop, the 3K6 Max, uh, but that's Limit Hold'em 6 Max. There's a PLO Bounty event. There's uh, the closer. That's the last one, of course. Uh, there's a 10K six max, a 3K horse. There's just tons and tons more poker after the main event is over. What do you guys think about uh, all the backloading this year? So I actually like. I don't think it's bad inherently or anything. Like it's fine if that's what they want to do. I kind of just like the idea of it closing with the main event. It just seems right to me. Um, I would never stay past the main event because just from experience, when I bust the main event, I'm ready to go home. Like I'm done. Just get me on an airplane. Let me see my family. Um, I mean, it's, I think they'll get good numbers. And I think people will hang around for it. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just a little if bit. If you were really hard, like if you were hardcore, sorry to cut you off. If you yeah. were like hardcore, hardcore grinding, that's like the best time. Like if you just went that time when the main ended. You'd probably get in the best games because everyone's tooling <laughs> yeah, out. Tilted. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a good choice to go there. But I'm with Derek, too. Like, you can continue. But, yeah, I'm after the main, I'm ready to go home. But look at Joe Cata last year. Isn't that incredible what he did? He final tables the main event and then wins the closer. Unbelievable. It's like literally like the top five things to ever happen. And he's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like Rammer. Oh, it's just disgusting. What? If he if he's not like top three tournament players of all time, like based on what he's done, it's ridiculous. He's phenomenal. You know, online was, he's been great. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with him, um, day five and day six. I was at his table a lot. Great guy too, just like so nice. Just and like, you still, I mean, you're. It's probably not shocking, but a lot of people in his shoes are arrogant dicks. He's so uh, not. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's not. I mean, I. Chris Moon's good buddies with him, so I, I haven't got the pleasure of meeting him, but I've only heard great things about him. It's nice to have people like that because people want to come back and play when they're at a table with Joe Cata and he's talking, enjoying himself. Yeah. Um, good for the game. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. I really like Joe Cata a lot. All right, so that's kind of your preview of this year's schedule. I guess uh, to be determined how much of this you guys are going to end up playing, I might end up being there all summer um nice. i don't have uh a deal yet I, you know guys know i did some commentary for poker go last year and especially with the twitch stream that they did nothing's been announced as far as like what kind of media coverage we're going to have like are we going to have it on facebook like they have some stuff on facebook now you know there's some talk that there might be some world series stuff on facebook uh, which cool. would be even another place 
for them to hire me to do commentary. So <laughs> I'm hoping it all works out. Like more is better as far as I'm concerned, because we all know that the A team is not me. It's going to be, uh, you know, obviously Nick and Ali are the A team. And then I'm somewhere down around the D or E team. So I need there to be a lot of streams going <laughs> all at once. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Derek and my favorite crew on poker road radio was the B team actually. So yeah. And you're good. I was a yeah. huge fan of the of, of Poker Road, and I agree. The B team was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Gavin just breaks my heart. Like I never got the pleasure of meeting him, but I felt like he was like my brother listening to him on on Poker Road Radio. Like he sounded like the sickest human being ever. All right, Seth. Gavin Smith. I, since you brought him up. But one time I met him, he's in the Playboy Mansion charity event that I mentioned earlier. Okay. <laughs> so he was railing. Jeff Madsen was at the final table. By the way, so was Shannon Elizabeth. So <laughs> interesting table to say the least. <laughs> First prize is uh, main event buy-in for the World Series. And second prize was like, I don't know, some – like I, I won I, – I ended up getting fourth in the tournament and I won a playboy guitar, which is really sweet. And it was signed by like Hugh Hefner and five playmates of the year, which was like to this day, one of my prized possessions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's such a cool guitar, man. It's an awesome, awesome guitar. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm sitting there playing that tournament and I'm having the time of my life. And at the time I used to carry around these really bright yellow pens with me. They had my name and my website on, on them. I was trying to promote myself as a comedian Pretty good idea, I thought. Well, it's really smart. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that used to be. Yeah, I, I should maybe bring those back because people still need pens nowadays. So I, <laughs> anyway, I was writing with one of them. Like I think I was taking down one of my hands, and Gavin, who's behind me sweating, Jeff Madsen, he's like, "Hey, what kind of pen is that?" And I was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is my pen. It's it's got my name and my website on it. Take a look." And he's like, "Wait a minute." You're Clayton Fletcher. He'd never heard of me. He's like, you're Clayton Fletcher. He's like reading my name. And he's like, he's jumping up and down and like sarcastically showing anyone who will listen that he got a Clayton Fletcher pen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so embarrassed because, you know, it just wasn't the time. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It sounds like something you would do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I saw him like a year later at a Borgata event. And I was like, hey, do you still have that pen I gave you at the mansion? He's like, oh, yeah, I got it in my pocket. He still had the <laughs> pen. <laughs> so that's my Gavin story. But, yeah, rest in peace. You mentioned this. I think I was on Twitter or I mentioned it to a friend or something. I think it is, like, the first time where a poker player has, like, passed away or something big happened around that player. And nobody said a bad word. Like, if, you know, if, if – well, I'm not going to name any names. If somebody died tomorrow, like almost everybody has like a bad story or somebody that doesn't like them or somebody that they rubbed the wrong way. But I just I didn't see a single person say anything bad about the guy. He's just like a no, how much money was raised for his kids. Like you really saw uh, how big of an impact he had on basically anyone he met, which is like such a rare quality to have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I felt that way and I never met him. Like I loved him on the podcast. Like. Easy to relate to, hilarious, kind of carefree, and really good at fucking poker, too. Yeah, yeah, he had incredible results. A lot of, you know, tournament wins, a lot of, you know, uh, final tables and stuff. Um, but, yeah, to me, what, what I remember about him the most is he was he made the game fun. And he made poker broadcasting fun and, you know, kind of paved the way for, uh, you know, exactly what I'm trying to do 
when you know with this podcast and with the other poker media that I do, I, I want I want people to laugh and and not take all this so seriously. You know, I understand it's your career, but you can also smile at work, right? Right. <laughs> and it's loud. And if not, you're in the wrong job. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's talk about this game we love. Last time around, uh, we stiffed them on the uh, strategy side, so we didn't get to go over any hands because I was so busy talking taxes. Uh, so this <laughs> week, uh, Derek, I understand that you have a hand for us. So what is it? Yeah, so I have this hand, and I actually I, I want to do this um, somewhat different in that uh, when we get to – the river. I actually kind of want to look at it from two different perspectives, um, the way it played out, but also look at it from how it could have played out, if that makes any sense. But it does. we we will get to that point. Um, so this is a uh, tournament on America's Card Room, which uh, most of my hands are always going to be from because it's the only site I can play on. Well, not the only, but close to it. Uh, and we we're at two fifty five hundred level, and we have just over fifteen k in chips, so a little over thirty big blinds. Right. Uh, and we are on the button with Ace Queen of Hearts. Uh, we get four folds around to a player in the cutoff, and he makes it 1,076, so just a little bit over a min raise. Um, and I think there's, I guess we could make arguments for flatting or three betting here. I opt to three bet to 2,700, or actually 2,727 to be exact. Um, are you guys ever doing anything different? Okay, um, so let me just uh, go back real quick. It's an eight-handed table at the 250-500 level. Uh, Derek is on the button with the ace-queen suited, and uh, the player in the cutoff folded to the cutoff, and that player opens for basically the minimum plus a little change. And Eric with uh, Derek with 30 big blinds, is that right? Yep. Yeah, he's got 30 big blinds. His M is around 13, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, decides to re-raise to 27-27, just making sure everybody can follow the action. Before you say anything else, did you have any reads on this player? So I don't recall any in-game reads. I do have my HUD up. Um, guy's running 19-12-7, so he's not particularly aggro. Um, in fact, his stats... Are- Almost exactly the same as mine at this table, with just a slightly smaller three bet. So, and how many hands was it? Uh, f- five hundred thirty-seven hands, actually. Sheesh, so. that's these too. Yeah, that's a good amount of hands for ACR, where you don't often get that big of a sample. I think I versus that specific opponent, I think I might flat. Um, just because I'm not it's so sick to say this, I'm not sure how profitable it is to three bet get in thirty bigs with ace queen suited here. You're probably just flipping so off. Like I'm not sure he's gonna ace three into a bluff or like random king X's. Um Yeah. Hmm. I'm torn. I, I like both. As long as you're three bet getting in and I'm fine with the play. Put it that way. And I haven't seen the stacks behind either. If there's squeeze stacks behind, like if there was like a 20 big blind stack behind, I would definitely lean flat to like allow someone to spew show from behind and we just like get all the chippies. Yeah, stacks behind are pretty deep. Uh, in fact, they're both 95 big blinds or higher. So not really something we're anticipating seeing. Okay, okay yeah, I, I see him now. So yeah, I, I'm fine with the play. All right, cool. Um, 
So the villain does well, call. Let's see what Clayton thinks. Yeah. No, oh yeah. Uh, I almost forgot. You can't no, just shower Clayton, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first look at this, um, before I knew how tight your opponent was, uh, I was trying to figure out a, a raise size uh, for my three bet that would cause him to feel like he can't flat. Like I wanted him to get it all in with me against most opponents opening range from the cutoff ace queen suited is doing great with this stack size absolutely but given that he's almost as tight as derek uh it does change things a lot i think flatting would be okay under the circumstances and if we really think he's that tight i really don't even hate folding but i think all things considered you know the smallish re-raise that he does here is good with the intention of folding to a four bet i think is probably correct yeah it's close because i think with the implied odds we're gonna get if he shoves like if we're flipping like which we'll be flipping a lot here we're doing like we need to call if like he if we're guaranteed to be flipping with what we put in and the blinds like we we would just have to call and i think we'll be flipping enough even against a tighter opponent to call like he's still gonna have most of his pairs that he shoves. I just don't know if we dominate anything, which kind of sucks. So really, we're beat by ace, king, kings, and aces, which we block some of those hands, um, and queens too, which we block. So it'll be hard for me to three-bet fold anyway, which is why I kind of think flatting could be... I mean, if you're not going to three-bet call, you, there's no need to turn our hand into a bluff, just, just flat. So Derek, uh, given that you're kind of playing against yourself here, uh, what is your range if you were the one who had opened from the cutoff and then someone similar to you raised it to 27 27 what what hands would you be taking and shoving for 15k yeah it's a, it's a really good question yeah it is an interesting question i think what i was going to say and it factors into this is i think the positions uh, are interesting here because i don't know if i open the cutoff and somebody three bets me from the button with thirty like off of thirty bigs, we'd basically both have a similar stack. I just have such a hard time believing it, which is why I tend to I love when I do wake up with a hand on the button to three bet with because it just I, it just looks like such bullshit all the time. <laughs> um, so I might like in his place I might go a little wider here than I normally would. But you basically not have like the perfect stack to three bet fold, it which sets up for good to have value in in your range. Yeah. So yeah, I, and a little bit would depend on what what was the actual dynamics of this game were, which obviously my HUD won't really tell me that specifically. Um, but I, I mean, I think I can see. Like, oh man, I was gonna say, would I rip Ace Ten suited? Like, am I going that low in his shoes? And maybe just because it does look so suspicious, or at least it, I think it could look suspicious to others. And, and, I mean, remember one thing, too, if you're using a HUD, everyone's three-bet from the button is higher than most positions, maybe other than the small blind. Like, that's just how poker works. Most people tend to three-bet from the button. So I, I would guess your three-bet is highest from the button. Mm. Um, it's either the button or small blind. I can't remember after reviewing your hands, which obviously nobody knows. But, yeah, I would find it difficult in his shoes to, like, not punt ace-10 suited here. Right. Like, all pairs, like, random king axes, like, I mean, shit, like, against, like, in a vacuum, against, like, any random player, like, I'd be put, I'd be putting it in very wide here. 
Yeah. And expecting folds, especially given stacks behind in right, your but, exact stack. But do we think that our opponent is going to be that wide? Because, you know, originally we said we're never dominating him, and now it sounds like he's got ace-10. So we are dominating him sometimes. So which is it? Yeah, I think based on his numbers, we're just not going to be that often. But based on position, we could be. I mean, yeah. the thing is, that, like, I'll bring it up again. Like, it, it, you're going to be flipping here a lot anyway. Like, he's going to have like sevens through jacks here. I mean, sometimes he'll flat those, but a lot of times, even a player that plays your numbers, Derek. Like, I think you're shoving sevens here. I don't yeah. know what you're doing with sixes or something. Um, but like, if we're flipping, like given the dead money or the money that's already out there, like we're just getting too good of a price. And like I said, we block aces, we block queens, uh, we block ace king. There's very few hands that just have a shit on. Um, so, yeah, um, there's my spiel. Yeah, so I don't necessarily agree that if we're not going to call the shove, we shouldn't three bet. Um, I mean, you're turn- but you're Clayton, you'd be turning ace queen suited into a bluff. Off well, of 30 bigs. No, I know what you mean, but there is also the chance that your opponent could call. And having him call, it, it, you want him to call with hands that you can play well against in position and have yeah. an SPR of around two. If we just flat, the SPR is going to be more like four, and then it's really tricky to play certain flops well yeah so you get two good things out of three betting you get people to spew into you sometimes and then if they flat you're right like we're in position with like a pretty dominant hand um so like yeah it's just one of like there's there's hands i could three bet fold here and like i'd be cool with them flatting too but like this is like you know too strong like, this is too strong yeah yeah i'm trying to think of a hand that like we could three bet fold here that's like that medium strength type hand Ace nine suited, yeah. Ace nine suited. I think that ace ten suited too, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Ace ten suited. Ace jack suited. I may lean just flatting. Ace ten suited, same. Because I wouldn't want to fold, but like ace nine, ace eight suited. Hands that still play well in position, like where we could blow to pot and just uh, you know, play in position. Because yeah, I'm trying to think like what what pairs are we three bet calling with too. It's an interesting spot for sure. Like just you know why it's really interesting is because given how the dynamic of Derek playing against himself, so right. like a tighter range, like where we would never consider three bet folding cutoff versus button with thirty bigs, but like we can actually have that discussion here, uh, because the players are tighter. Yeah, and and most players today aren't. Um uh, so we're <laughs> yeah. used to kind of like feel you know, fist pump, ace queen is is the nuts here, you know. Um also, we need to look at stacks. Uh, I'm assuming that Derek is below average stack in the tournament because he is the shortest stack at the table. Given that and his uh, current chip position of, you know, 30 blinds or M of 13, I don't think a flip is, is a bad thing. So if we think we're flipping a lot, I think we should be happy to do so. Yeah, like you said, I, I don't think any of us want to flip, but, like, given the math of, like, the money in the pot and, like, what we've three-bet and what he's already put in, we'd just be getting too good of a price. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess given all that, I would probably raise bigger uh, just to make the uh, the call easier and make it 
less likely that my opponent would flat the three bet given stack. So here, if you make it like 3,500, then he's probably in a more of a, he might feel like he's, he's in a situation where he just can't call. Like he's either got to fold or shove. And when he shoved, I think I would have to call mm. because of the dynamics that you already mentioned, Derek, where you, you know, even a tight player can see that the button three bet is, is always just playing back because I raised from late position. Right. Not always, right. obviously, but, you know, we suspect it. We don't believe them, right? Yeah, exactly. Even a tight player can think that way, um, even though the numbers don't really bear that out over 500 <laughs> hands. But how many times have you been in this exact spot in those 500 hands? Maybe not that many. So Exactly. Yeah. But given the, the raise size that you did make it, I think you invite a call, which also isn't the end of the world because you have ace-queen in position is not bad, and the SPR of about two is also fine. Uh, so... He does call, and the flop is Jack nine nine. I can't tell the suits the suits because I'm colorblind. Can you tell me the suits? Uh, two 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 spades and a club. Okay, two spades and a club. And what do we have? Hearts. Uh, we have hearts. Correct. Okay. Yeah, all right. So we don't we don't pick up any back doors. It's Jack nine nine, and uh, two of a suit that we don't have, yeah. and our opponent checks. So to see bet or not to see bet, Mark? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, cheating online. We, I would like to see his fold to see bet in a three bet pot. So I would probably make my decision based on that. Without that, I think see betting is fine. But I also think checking back is fine. I'd probably, I'd definitely be more apt to check back if there was a heart. Uh, we do have backdoor straight too, um, which is nice. Yeah, so if there was a heart, I would 100% check back. I wouldn't want to bet and just get jammed on him because, I mean, we block a lot of draws, but, like, he's still going to have some random straight draws that we're ahead of. Or I don't mind checking back the best hand on a paired board, um, especially when most of the overs uh, will help us. Mm-hmm. Actually, all of them help us. Yeah, queen, king, ace are all, like, decent. King's not the best, but... Yeah, I'm torn. I don't know. Given stacks, like I, I think checking back is fine, but I, I would definitely be more apt to bet without there being a heart on the board. I'll say that. That's a good point, Mark. If if we are ahead, our opponent is drawing thin. Uh, you know, we've got him in pretty bad shape if we are ahead. And if we're not ahead, I don't think it's easy to get him to fold better on this flop. So even if he's got yeah, like five, like right, some of the better call. hands that may fold are like, yeah, like the smaller pairs. Right. But even they might say, look, it's a paired board. I don't believe you. I'm going to call one time and see. And, and we can still get those to fold later on. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. So having them call isn't the end of the world. But it does kind of argue for checking back, especially given uh, that we only have two times the pot left in our stack anyway. I will say even live – if I had seen this dude like play really sticky pre where he was flatting like most of his opens, I would probably <laughs> yeah. see bet a shit ton more. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of dynamic that we don't have where that's why it's kind of like, well, he's probably flatting a tighter range. Definitely has jacks in it. Probably doesn't have many nines in it. And it's already unlikely he doesn't have a nine. So kind of think we have the best hand where, I mean, betting's fine. Because we block like one of the bigger bluffs, Queen Ten. Um, the flush draw kind of scares me too because, you know, that's just a hand he can check jam on us, uh, which we're ahead of, but we're not going to obviously bet call. 
So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty torn here. Like I said again, the heart, I'm hundred percent checking back. I don't even know if Queen Ten would have called the uh, three bet in the first place, though. Yeah, a because tight player. we're so small, it's, it's know, close. Yeah, it that's unlikely anyway because we we blocked that. Yeah, yeah. All that's right, true. Derek, tell us what you did and why. So we went ahead and bet twenty five ninety nine. I have this like bad habit of doing a lot of. Um, uh, like autopiloting in these kind of situations. And I always take this philosophy of, well, it's a paired board, so it's that much harder for him to have hit. And I have the aggression preflop, so I'm just going to go ahead and bet. And they, and granted, they do fold more often than not. Uh, but I do, I think I agree completely with Mark what he was saying, like checking back when there's a heart. Um, but I kind of, I think I'm okay with betting here. And I actually kind of like my sizing too. I think it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I like your sizing too. It's actually smaller than your initial three bet, and I think that's like I would do that with my entire range here. Um, yes. So again, the uh, the flop uh, on the flop there was uh, sixty six hundred and four in the pot, and Derek bet twenty five ninety nine. So yeah, it's a small it's a small bet, and he'd also raise pre to uh, twenty seven twenty seven. So it's a bit of a down bet, uh, you know, a modest down bet. Uh, and, but yeah, the the key number is the stack size. We start this hand with 15k, so even with this small bet, we put in you know over a third of our stack, right? Mm. So I mean, we're getting there where it's like you know one more bet and we're just going to basically have our whole stack in. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm looking at it on my replay. I, so I have just under 10k left after that bet. So about yeah. 20 bigs. Um, yeah, and we started with 30 bigs. So you put in a third of your stack already. Right. So, um, yeah, but I, I, you know, I don't, I have no problem with the bet. I th- I love the sizing, and I think betting is is good, especially given that even when uh, we get called, it might mean that we can just take it down later with a bet if we don't uh, improve. Another it. thing too is is he's probably since he is on the tighter side, he's probably less likely to like jam. Like a hand like king queen, which would be like a completely fine jam, check jam here. Uh, he's probably less likely to do stuff like that uh, just because of his stats. So betting yeah. is probably slightly better, actually. Good. Yeah, with the lower uh, aggression factor, he's he's probably not going to pull off some kind of sick move like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. If I had king queen, I, I would love this flop, and especially with that small c bet, I'd be like, all right. What do you think yeah. of this, buddy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. It, that's not our opponent in this hand. Uh, okay, so he gets called. So our opponent calls, and now there's 11,802. I love these online numbers <laughs> in the pot. Uh, and the eight of clubs? Correct. Okay, hits the turn. So now we have a board of jack nine. Nine, eight with two clubs and two spades, mm. something like that. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a double suited board, and now we have a straight draw, and our opponent checks. Should we fire again, Mark? What do you think? No, I'm gonna check back here and just like I want to realize my equity again. We can still have the best hand. Uh, we have two overs, the top pair, and, like, a 10 would be a straight. Like, I, I don't see what – he can fold under pairs now for sure, but those aren't – he's not always calling those on the flop, especially given uh, how aggressive our opponent is. 
So like, I kind of think he has something, and I just want to realize my equity by checking back and uh, either getting there or just giving up on the river if he bets. All right, so when he calls your C-bet, you think he has something. Uh, what do you think his range consists of in that spot? Um, I mean, there's some nines there, like suited nines, eight, nine, nine, ten, suited, suited connectors. I don't think he has any one uh, suited one gappers. Uh, he's got a bunch of jacks. Like, jack is definitely most likely holding for him. Pocket tens, maybe, although he should be piling pocket tens. I think he piles pocket tens. Um, I mean, queen 10 is unlikely. Spades is unlikely because even players that are tighter will still like jam those draws like the queen 10 uh, and like not any flush draw, but most flush draws. Um, so, yeah, I'd lean towards him having a jack. Um, I think yeah, be- I, I toward, I'm trying to think of what else I, I'd lean him having a jack like an exactly a jack pocket tens or a jack mm. pocket tens no I, I think he just has a jack i'm gonna stick with that all right what do you think uh derek i agree with all of that i think i would also add uh some of the smaller pairs um like sevens through tens or whatever or well, not tens um but yeah so five, maybe five through eights i think he can still call a bet with those hands for sure he can but I do agree that it's not as likely. The thing is, I mean, I, those hands should be piling pre. Like, those yeah. are perfect hands to pile pre. And, like like I said, I think even you're piling those hands. Like, I'm pretty sure when you get three-bet from the button, you're like, I, I don't know. I think you might stuff deuces. Like, just not believing the old cutoff open button three-bet. Like, you can pile any pair here. Maybe not versus you, but, like, those are the hands like you you can pile those pretty profitably here. Mm-hmm. Pre flop, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely lean. I I kind of am with Mark. I I would lean towards this being a jack a pretty good percentage of the time. Yeah. So we basically have a pot size bet left. Um. I I don't know if I make a mistake in poker, in no limit hold'em tournaments, it's typically that I'm too aggressive. I mean, I'm shoving this turn. Uh, I, you know, I have a tight opponent who, even if he has a jack, can't like it when I, I go all in. I mean, I clearly am representing a much bigger hand than just a jack when I bet, bet, bet like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't be an over bet. There's 11, 8 in the pot. I have 10K behind. Uh, even if I am called by a jack, I can win most likely win with an ace, a queen, or ten. So that's plenty of outs for me to semi-bluff here, but also knowing that I can push him off the best hand so many times. Like, yeah, he probably should call with a jack, but not every... Do you think he folds... First off, I think think shoving is fine, but do you think he folds a jack? Not necessarily, but I think there's a... I'm not sure he ever folds a jack here. I think there's a non-zero chance that a tight player folds a jack. Okay, so, but his jacks are jack-10 and jack-queen and, like, king-jack. Ace-jack, maybe. He probably piles ace-jack, like, a certain percentage of the time. All those jacks, other than king-jack, have straight draws. Where, like, I don't even think he's going to, like, if he's any bit competent, would be, like, okay, if I'm wrong and my jack's not good, I have all these extra outs plus the jack. Right. More than often. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not necessarily counting on blowing him off of any jack, including the ones you just named. 
Um, although King Jack doesn't have a straight draw, right? That's the only one. Yeah, yeah, that's the only one that doesn't. But even even if he always calls with a jack, which I don't think he does, even if he but even if he does, I think so much of his range are lesser hands that are beating me right now, like five. Well, I guess that's where we differ because like we we have to decide what those hands are. Like, yeah, I think I think he has do a lot of pairs. Agree that, like most of those pairs jam free. I don't agree. I think that given the raise size that Derek chose to 27-27, and given that our opponent is kind of tight to begin with, and not I that mean, he's aggressive. Not, he's, not, he's not like that tight. Like he's he's definitely tighter, but I mean we're still talking cutoff versus button here off like 30 bigs effective. Like I don't know. I I maybe <laughs> I could be wrong, but like I have a feeling he's going to be piling like Five. Five through five through eights, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we I, have I don't a, know. I, I could be wrong. I could I be wrong. I think you are. I think you are wrong. I think that uh I think that a lot of these guys when they get a good price to see the flop and they don't really know where they stand. And also he's been watching Derek play and Derek's been tight too. He's like, Do I really want to get fives in against this guy? Fair point. You know? So I, I think that a lot of times they just call and try to hit a set. And then they get a pretty good flop for fives, jack nine nine. Derek makes a small bet. I'm not folding yet. Now the turn hits an eight, and I check. And I'm, I'm I'm not putting another dime in this pot. It's just gotten too ugly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. His numbers don't seem fishy, like where like flat set mining here is going to be profitable. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, it cost me another seventeen hundred, and I have. I, I I definitely don't think the shove is bad. I'll tell you yeah. that. I didn't even yeah. think about it at first, and when you started talking about it, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool because he is going to fold a jack a certain amount of time. I mean, like, we if we talk about our range here, like, three-bet, C-betting this board and then jamming, like, it looks like we have an overpair. We or look like strong. Or, like, a nutted jack. Absolutely. Um, so I think there is a percentage of the time he does fold a jack, which I think has to – in order for us to jam, he has to fold a jack, let's say, like, 20 30%. Which, yeah, like, that depends on how many smaller pairs he has, though. I don't think I don't think we need to be up to twenty or thirty percent because I think he's got all the small pairs. A yeah, lot. See, yeah. I, I yeah. So that's where we disagree. If yeah. you're right, then yeah, he needs to fold a jack a lot, or else this is a spew. Um, but it's a spew semi bluff with without. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, no. For sure. For sure. That's why, like, I'm kind of digging it. Um, I, I, I'm fine with it. Like, I definitely wouldn't think it's bad. I'm just also fine, like, realizing my equity, but I, I think both plays are actually good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what, what was your uh, play and why, Derek? Um, so I ended up – so he, he checks, and uh, we're in position, and I decide to check back um, for pretty much all the reasons Mark said. Uh, like, let's just try to realize our equity here, see if we can hit a friendly card on the river. Um Eight of clubs is not a great card for us, based on all the ranges we kind of talked about, uh, unless we, we are including all those under pairs, which makes it a little better. So, yeah, I think I just decided, okay, um, I don't think I felt super confident I could get him to fold a jack. Um, yeah, I don't I, think we should feel confident about that. <laughs> yeah, and I think the eight helps a bunch of hands. Like what? But, what hands do you think are improved by that eight? Um, I mean, like Queen Ten. Even though we blocked that, I it, I do think it's still in there somewhere. Um, Jack Ten, Nine Ten. I mean, not the Nine Ten is going anywhere anyway. Right. Um, 
No, but yeah, just Queen Jack, Ten, Jack right? Jack Ten and Queen Ten are like our two, you know, hands that we need to uh, account for for sure. Right. Even though we block the Queen Ten. Well, uh, we we block Queen Ten, so we can discount that a little bit. And we, as far as Jack Ten goes, we're not really trying to bluff him off a of Jack anyway. Sure. So that's just another Jack that he can't fold. We don't have to count it twice. I will say, like the Queen Ten, I think Queen, like I mean. This is where we're probably going to differ. Like, I think he jams queen 10 just like he would four bet jam pairs. Like, if he's flatting pairs, he's probably flatting queen 10 here. Um, but, like, I'm, I personally wouldn't give him queen 10 just in general here because I think that just gets piled in our face. Um, Check raise the flop, right? Yeah, not the king queen like we talked about just because, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know if a lot of people are doing that anyway. Um, although you yeah. should be. You should be. <laughs> That's a good point. Now that he check called the flop, I think Queen 10 is a little less likely. Good point. There's also some things in the, like King 10 of clubs that now picks up a flush draw to go with the gutter. Ten, pocket 10s proves. Yeah, so King 10 of clubs, uh, we are a slight favorite against. Right? So yeah. if we check, if he checks and we shove against that particular hand... We don't like it because he's drawing so freaking live, but we're actually yeah, a little ahead. Yeah, that's the funny thing. We're actually we're value shoving some of the time because he's going to have the spades and the club draws and the straight draws. Um, so, like, we're semi-bluffing with the best hands sometimes, yeah, which like, makes yeah, it like, that much better. I mean. Yeah, like ace-10 of clubs, right? We don't block that too much. We don't block that at all. Well, ace-10 of clubs. Well, we have an ace, but not the ace of clubs, right? Clubs, yeah. Yeah. So, or ace ten of spades we don't block. Good point. Right. Yeah, but that also probably would have check shoved the flop, right? Mm. I'm thinking about the ones that have picked up all this equity on the turn. It, it would to finally get this tight tightish player to finally make a play. He would need to have something like you know with clubs, I think. Mm. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think I would shove here, and I you know I started off by saying like. If I make a mistake, it's usually because I'm too aggressive too often in too many spots. But this is just, to me, it's like, look, there's 11K out there. I got 10K behind. I got all these outs if he calls. I have all these hands that I think I can get him to fold. So it's really a question of how many hands can we get him to fold. And you guys don't think he has as many pairs as I do. So that's where that's where the discrepancy yeah. comes in. I mean, but, there are certain players in certain bigger events where, like, I would be comfortable bluffing here for sure, for sure. Like, yeah. and, but that's mainly because I think they're folding a jack. By the way, Derek, did we say what tournament this is? Like, what's the buy-in? Do you remember? This is a twenty-two dollar ten k. Okay, so it's probably some pretty decent players, but not the best in the world. Yeah. All right. Probably, I would say a pretty average field. You're going to have some good players. You're going to have some All right. not oh, so one, good. One other thing I wanted to add, like I don't I don't hate checking behind. My point was just you know, maybe like a difference in playing style. Like mm-hmm. I see yeah, like, I, I, yeah. That's the beauty of the game because I missed the shove at first. And like, the, like I'm fine with both. I think yeah. I should have – like the fact that I didn't consider shoving – uh, was probably a mistake. Like, or no, not probably. It was a mistake. Like, yeah, you got to consider it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, just it, I think it varies per player. And like yeah. you said, like the difference in what he's flatting with preflop is the reason why you're shoving and I'm checking. Like a hundred percent. So right, right, yeah. 
Yeah, it's good yeah. that we were able to identify why uh, why we see it a little differently. I mean, the key the key to poker is ranging opponents. I mean, that really isn't it. Like, if you get good at that, you win. Yeah. <laughs> it comes down to ranges. All right, so now uh, because uh, we didn't add any more chips on the turn, there's still 11,802 in the pot, and we have 10K behind. And the river is a queen that completes a flush. Yes, the queen of spades. So now it's jack, nine, nine, eight, queen with three spades. Uh, and, you know, this is the classic, like, oh. you know, if you're multi-table <laughs> or something, you go, oh, that's a good card for me. And then you look at it, you go, well, wait a minute. Let's think about this for a minute. Is it? Well, the first question um, is, uh, you know, obviously we made top pair, top kicker for what it's worth. Um, uh, should we be worried that our opponent just made a flush? I think he can have a flush. I mean, you know, there were two spades on the flop. Like, he could have certainly called our C-bet with two spades. I'm not super worried about it, but I think it has to be at least part of... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not super... I don't think any of us are that worried about it. People are way more likely just to jam a flush draw on here than, like, obviously the king-queens we were talking about earlier. So he he can have a flush draw. It's definitely not a 0%, that's for sure. Yeah, um, but it's pretty real, close, I think. The, the real question is here that I'd ask myself is, like, what worse hands call me? So yeah. why don't we talk about that? Yeah, so it's checked to us, and the question is, do we want a value bet? Like, you know, I, I phrased it like, should we worry about the flush? Should that dissuade us from value betting? Like, you guys were talking about he might have a jack a lot. So yeah. if we should we try to get value from a jack or just check check and see if we win? And then we got to worry about the jack 10 that now gets there. Or any other um, 10. All the 10s got there, right? Yeah, pocket to, yeah. 10s, which I think pocket 10s is well in his range. For I mean, well, it shouldn't be, but he's if he's flatting pairs, I mean, it shouldn't be. He should be I don't think he should have 10s, but, you know, he could have – Ace 10, Queen 10, King 10. And those could also be things that are going to – those hands could also be the kind of hands that are just going to check call here to try to bluff catch but not necessarily just get snapped off. Like, you know, if you have Jack 10 and you made a straight here but you don't have the flush, you might be like, all right, well, do I value bet that? Although I – That's the thing. You don't want to value own yourself though. So, like, the real question is what worse hands call here, and there's just not that many. Right, Right, so – if we bet so, our queen, what are we hoping to get value from? Basically, it, king jack. Yeah, it's literally the king jack is it. Like, an ace jack. Sorry, but he shouldn't have ace jack. Like, I'm not giving him all combos of ace jack, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think I would either. So this is a pretty clear check back to me. Yeah. Um, now, I, I wish we didn't have a pair because then we could talk about bluffing. Right. Yeah, it's no fun having a pair. <laughs> so Derek, we should have lied and like put a, another. We should have put like a deuce there. And just, some other river, yeah. yeah. Now Derek, you had said earlier that you wanted to kind of do something uh, a little different with this river. So how do you, yeah. you want to discuss? So basically, uh, for for the sake of this, the way this hand actually played out, I, I it's funny because I made sure to um, you guys can see I blacked I blacked out what my action was. Um, and I intentionally extended that really long to the right to make it look like I might have done something else, but I, <laughs> but I checked back here. You checked, all right. Um, and I think for like everything we just talked about, like it's it's pretty hard to get called by anything worse. Yeah, I would have checked back too for sure. Yeah. Um, but I remember when this hand was going down live, he had ta- he tanked for quite a while, 
on the river before checking. And I remember saying on my stream live, like, am I calling here if he shoves? And that's kind of the other question I wanted to ask, is just, like, play it as though he had shoved the river on us, because uh, he is first act. Um, and are we ever calling? When what do got... you think, Mark? How do you play if it goes check, check on the turn, then the queen of And spades, then he lead shoves and, into us? And he, he donk shoves right on the river. Just just folding. folding. Yeah, I don't think I can ever yeah. call the queen. Um, especially given what we've talked about this opponent. I will say, if we had nothing here, it's like an like you if you're not bluffing here then it might be time to find a new hobby yeah. <laughs> or a new job. it's such like, a great bluff card bluff, we just have to bluff this river every single time um i, I mean yeah that's just it like yeah. <laughs> everything gets there and he's checked to us three times if he's good enough to check or not even good enough but if he just happened to check his king tennis spades here uh and we're just you know shoving into a straight flush like so be it but i'm going to bluff every single time given this run out again it's jack nine nine two spades turn is the eight of clubs so now we have two flush draws clubs and spades river is the flop flush queen of spades which also makes some straights um yeah, yeah the yeah. front door flush gets there so now the front if, door yeah yeah <laughs> so i love that front door you don't get to say I've that i've never too often. heard that i don't know how <laughs> i've heard that but it makes total sense. There's a back door and a front door. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> 12 years, um, I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> can we delete this part of the pod? I mean, shit. No, no. <laughs> I think a, a better question is, what do you do when he does some stupid little 3,200 or something? Like, oh, God. Like Those puke. are the ones that make you want to vomit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You literally puke and, like, click your time bank because you need to think. Yeah. yeah, that's actually more tilting because when he shoves, it's a pretty easy fold, I think. Yeah. Um, when I was originally looking at it, I was like, well, because it goes check-check on the turn and he shoves river, like, we look pretty weak. But I don't even know if it matters that we look weak. Like, everything got there, so it just doesn't really matter that much. You're supposed to get bluffed sometimes, and, and yeah. I would be happy to be bluffed here. Like, go yeah, ahead. tip the cap, tip the cap. Yeah. There you go. It's well, the I perfect mean, scare card. Everything got there. You bluff, you win, you know, whatever. If he bets like 3,500, I probably do the classic like call and then bitch and complain about how bad I run and hand him my chips. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right for me too. <laughs> Mark, can you be honest, Mark? Can you get away if he bets like 32, 35? Given his numbers, yeah, I think I could. <sighs> Yeah, I'd like to think I could. It, maybe because it's a $20 tournament, I'm like, well, it's 3K. I still have, like, 12 bigs back. But, like, honestly, if I'm playing my best poker A game, I think I do let it go. In fact, like, it's such a sick spot. If you do hit the flush, you should be leading that sizing because, like, look, it's just a total mind fuck. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, it's also a really good spot to bluff, too. <laughs> like, say you did have sevens. <laughs> And, like, you flatted the flop, went check, check, and the river's this. It's such a sick spot to put in a value bet block. Such a sick spot. Yeah, it really is. Um, it really is. I mean, if we're talking if we're talking about playing our best and folding ace-queen on this river, then it's clearly a great spot for a value bet bluff. 
<laughs> right. What about, what about just like clicking it back on them? <laughs> but hey, no, I'm, I like kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's done. Yeah, you bluff. No, I bluff. <laughs> <laughs> With top pair, top kicker. <laughs> so, uh, Derek, why don't you reveal the actual results? Uh, so, like I said, it did. He checked, and we checked back on the river, and he showed us pocket tens, which I know uh, Mark in particular mentioned. I think you mentioned as well, Clayton, as being. Pretty, pretty good possibilities. Well, no, uh, it, it shouldn't be, though, but, like, you know, given what he is, like, yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely a possibility with some people, apparently. 30 bigs isn't enough to pile. Yeah, it's it hard to believe like... he has tens, really. Um, given, yeah. like, on the flop, it, it, like, makes sense as one of his holdings, like, once he calls, but, like, you have to, like, he has to be really tight to just be flatting tens there, but you guys do have a dynamic, so like yeah, five hundred yeah. hands is a lot. It Pre- is. Yeah, pre flop is kinda weird. And maybe if I mean, you know, if he has five hundred hands, I mean he's like, Wow, even from the button, this guy three bets like seven percent or whatever against me. Or you know, in the hands I've seen. I, I don't know what my numbers are against him, obviously, but sure. I mean if they are if they are like, you know, inordinately low, I mean he might go, Yeah, you know what, let's just take a flop with tens here. If he has pocket tens in his range, then I really like my turn shove because it means he has all those other pairs that I thought he might in his range as well. Sure. And it's probably – I didn't do this, but I'm going to. Yeah, the true – somewhat true. Like some people will flat the bigger pairs and jam the smaller ones, which is like not bad at all. I mean he should be jamming tens. He should be jamming all of them. To be fair, but yeah, I think you are right. He is way more likely to have like sevens and eights for sure. Mm. Sixes, fives, and stuff. I don't know. He may fold those. Yeah, I guess if he's, if he's if just he's, flatting tens, like yeah, like he definitely yeah. can just fold fives. Well, yeah, a lot of them don't really see that deuces and fives are basically the same <laughs> in <Yeah>. this situation. <laughs> exactly. But they'll call with fives and fold deuces or yeah. something. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think yeah. that was a cool hand. Really, yeah, good. really good hand, Derek. Thanks for bringing it in. Absolutely. All right, yeah. so guys, in the last few minutes here, why don't you uh, tell us what's going on at TPE, and uh, yeah, just give us a little uh, information about what people can find on TPE as they prepare their schedules for the upcoming World Series of Poker. Yeah, so I know obviously many people listening to this are members of Tournament Poker Edge, but if you're not, it's obviously a pretty good time to get signed up because the World Series is just three months away. Um, we have a ton of uh, new series running. Uh, we have a, uh, in fact, we are almost uh, wrapping up a uh, WSOP $2,500 hand history from Andrew Brokus, so it's actual live WSOP event that he's doing a review of. Um, so, pretty perfect way to get uh to get ready for the for the WSOP for sure um new series also from assassinato recently ran and everybody knows how much of a sicko he is and uh and yeah and then a new series just started uh from justin wimet who hasn't put out a series with us in a little while but uh, a new big 11 hand history that he did uh, on poker stars so that's uh just starting out today and derek and i have one coming out soon too which probably released in the next I'm guessing month, month and a half, we'll have one out where we review some of his hands. So excited yeah. about that. That'll be oh, fun. awesome. I thought you were going to review the uh, drinking that you did in Reno. <laughs> <laughs> the community already knows how to do that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. Uh, what else is going on with you, Mark? You know, nothing. Just I got to plan out my schedule and uh, 
see if I want to play some higher stuff, get some backing. So I'm just excited to get out there and start planning for that. Literally today, our old, uh, uh, what's he called there? Landlord. <laughs> Landlord, yes. He emailed us three properties. So uh, pump, getting pumped for the series for sure. Oh, it's so exciting. Well, I hope that this episode has gotten you in the mood. Uh, if you have any comments, we love tweets. You can tweet me at Clayton Comic. You can tweet at Tournament Poker Edge. You can tweet uh, Killing Bird. And what is yours, Mark? On AZN, Twitter? AZN All In 007. That's easy to remember. AZN All In 007. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So or my for, name. My name was too. Yeah, just Google his name and tweet us. Let us know what you think. Definitely rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever else you are. Uh, finding your podcast. It really helps us, guys, if you uh, give us a good rating and give us a good review. It will help us climb the ranks, and then our our podcast will be more visible when someone types in a search for poker. So if you like what we're doing and you want it to uh, spread the love, we really appreciate it. That's a free way that you can spread the love. So for Derek Tenbush, for Mark Alioto, and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. Love nobody